This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for shining on today. I want to introduce you to a very sweet man, Brad Montague. Brad has written a book called Becoming Better Grownups, Rediscovering What Matters, and Remembering How to Fly. Maybe you know Brad already, the New York Times bestseller. He wrote The Kid President's Guide to Being Awesome. And of course, he created the web series Kid President. In this wonderful book, Becoming Better Grownups, he writes... Years ago, Johann Wolfgang van Goethe said, quote, Everyone should sweep in front of his door, and every city quarter will be clean. A fifth grader named Sutton put it this way to me when she said, Do your good things, and I'll do my good things, and there will be like so many good things like so many good things. Each generation, Brad writes, rediscovers for themselves the magic of the world, but also the tragic nature of the world. How they choose to disregard this or engage with this has a lot to do with the grown-ups around them. Better grown-ups are joy rebels inviting us to grander views of ourselves and what we can do. They help everyone they come in contact with rise to new ideas of what's possible. In disagreements, in disasters, in deaths of hamsters, they still find ways to invite people into something beautiful. So I invite you today to be a joy rebel and become a better grown-up with Brad Montague. What made him write this book? I think I had um, this idea that growing up would be easier, that it would just happen, and realizing that it was going to take some work and thought, uh, I needed to figure it out. So it didn't really start out as a book, but as a life project, because I had just become a dad. I was on, on the other side of a... I had this web series that had gone crazy viral, and, you know, that was nice. But then I was terrified. What's my next step? What am I going to do? I found myself in classrooms getting to speak with kids. And I found that the more I spent time with them, the, the more joy I felt, the more hope, the more hopeful way I saw the world. So I just started asking them, well, what, what, would, what would you do? <laughs> How could I do this well? And what I found was that the words they said to me were so life-giving, so wise, and uh, I just had to share it. Brad Montague, the creator of the web series Kid President and author of the New York Times bestseller Kid President's Guide to Being Awesome. After all that success, you were freaked out about what to do next? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I had made a list of people I wanted to work with, and it happened. You know, I wanted to work with Steve Martin and Beyonce and President Obama, and, and it happened. <laughs> and this was so nice, and, and the things were successful, but, you know, people would say, so how you doing? And I would internally be uh, be going oh i'm fine you know inside i'm thinking oh no i don't know what to do i'm panicking i'm wrestling with mortality i'm hobbling hobbling towards the unknown i don't know and what i discovered there was so much noise inside me that was 
worried about what had happened in the past, worried about the future. And yet when I revisited kids and I'm with people who work with kids, they weren't concerned with the past or necessarily the future. It was a very present thing. They were focused on the here, the now, what can we do and create together. Right. And that became a really um, a place of possibility that I, I, I wanted to live in. What are some of the things the kids said to you that that gave you this peace? Well, you know, kids would say things that were like, you know, sharks probably aren't afraid of other sharks. <laughs> that would like blow me away. I, was, I thought about that forever. <laughs> that was so, so off topic. And yet they would also have this way of then seeing things in me or seeing things in their friends or in their world and speaking it, noticing it and, and, and speaking it. I, I noticed this great strength they had uh, that in the midst of challenges, they, they saw possibilities, that, that they were able to laugh even though things were heavy. And this ability to bring a lightness to life um, brought me back to what I was like as a kid and brought me back to wanting to be um, more childlike and less childish. And, and I think that's one thing that in this moment, we're, if we can approach life, whether the sea is smooth or rough, if we can approach it in a childlike way and not childish, we will be open, we will be helpful, we will be generous, we will be compassionate and creative, all of those things. Right. Um, but when we're childish, we close all that off. There's actually one teacher that helped model for me what this could look like, because I was supposed to be visiting their classroom, and it was going to be a normal classroom visit, except their classroom hamster had died. And so she let me know, hey, our classroom hamster died, so things have changed. And in my head, I'm thinking, that doesn't change anything. It's just a hamster. But she was thinking it through the child's eyes, that this is going to be serious, and this is going to bring up questions about mortality. This is going to bring up questions uh, of hurts that they felt in the past, that this is going to be a learning moment, and I'm going to walk with them through this challenge. And that... It was just like the kids helped plan a funeral for Bingo the hamster. Oh, and and I, you see this, and, and we think that's what it is to be a good grown-up, whether you are high up in years or, or you know wherever you may be on the scale. If you can walk alongside somebody younger through a challenge, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. If we can grow and help each other grow, heal and help each other heal, we're doing it right. Um, but if we do it in a childish way, we're going to be accusing each other and having mm -hmm. agendas and wanting power. Right. That's not, that's not helpful. Not helpful. Um, I need your education here, Brad Montague, this fabulous, beautiful book, Becoming Better Grown-Ups, Rediscovering What Matters and Remembering How to Fly. What a beautiful time to be reading this right now. I need to be educated. I don't know a thing about Joanna Gaines and the Magnolia Journal. I know she's, like, bigger than anything in the world and has to do with homes and decorating, right? Tell me what that's all about. <laughs> Yeah, well, Joanna and Chip Gaines, they have, have carved out a really lovely place for themselves in the world um, by doing just uh, just putting beauty into the world. Like, they take places and make them, uh, they, they ref refurbish places, they, they 
do beautiful work, but she has this magazine called Magnolia Journal and invited me to um, do a spread each each issue. And it's been in her homework, the homework for the whole staff there has been, how can we add beauty to people's lives? How can you give them a moment of meaning and and, and have, have fun with it? So I get to play and, and invite people to pause for a moment and recognize beauty. So uh, a recent issue we got to do was, was all about uh, one, one page was going through a, your day like normal, and the other page was going through the day like uh, you actually saw what was happening. You actually experienced it like a child would open. And um, it's been a lot of fun to work with them. Oh, wow. All right. I know all my girlfriends are always talking about it, and I just nod my head when they talk about the Magnolia <laughs> Jewel. Oh, yeah, Joanna Gaines. Oh, yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, well, thank you. Well, what's funny is I've, I've gotten to do some things that I'm very proud of, mm-hmm. and, and yet my, my mom was, like, all of a sudden taking notice to what I was doing when I started working with them. Like, what? What? <laughs> mom, I met the president. I, I got to meet Beyonce. She's like, no. I know your journal is a big deal. Joanna Gaines, she's, she's the hot ticket. Um, what kind of dad are you? How's your child? I am not a perfect grown-up. I didn't write this book as a, uh, a top-notch grown-up, but as, as someone on the journey. And I'm trying to be an honest dad. I, I, I have a 7-year-old, a 5-year-old, and adore them. And I'm wanting them to, you know, like in this challenging time, my wife and I are both trying to make it fun for them, but also let them know that mom and dad don't have all the answers, and and we're a little worried and we're sad, and and I think um, them seeing us do what we love, them seeing us walk through things, is uh, is what I hope is going to help them be even better grown ups than than us. Brad Montague, you make me want to be a better grown up. You too. Thanks for for being uh, such a good friend and letting me me talk with you today. Do people ever compare you to Mr. Rogers? That's really nice. There's only ever one Fred Rogers. Hmm. I think he would have liked you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's high praise. And he deserves high praise. Brad Montague, the creator of Kid President and author of Kid President's Guide to Being Awesome. And now he has uh, Becoming Better Grownups, Rediscovering What Matters and Remembering How to Fly. And I hope you will forgive me for not being schooled in the world of Joanna Gaines and the Magnolia Journal. I will tell you this, though. Even though I don't know her work, I am influenced by it because I'm in the process of painting everything in my house white. And I'm a member of a Facebook group about rustic farmhouse something or other where everybody else paints everything in their house white and then hangs signs that say gather or pantry or something like that. So even though I don't know her, I'm definitely influenced by her. Well, we'd like to influence you if you are an overdoer who says yes when you should say no. Sarah Knight's going to set you straight after this. This meditation has three titles, and it goes with the color pale green. The first title is the glory of it all. The next, the vast multiplicity. And the third, the covenant between the human and all that there is. Think for a moment about all that you know exists. Give it some time. Let images form up in your mind. The planet, all the cities across the face of the planet, the vast oceans teeming with life. 
the great land masses and all the animals migrating, doing their life, the birds in the air, the air itself, clouds. Think of everything that makes up a human, from cells to organs, all the structures and all the ingredients. Now think about the universe stretching forever and all the elements that come together and form particles. Now think of all the words and references you know, all the stuff, the ingredients, the raw material that you choose between and decide what you want to take up. This whole field of vast multiplicity is there at the very bottom of creation for humans to be in, choose within, decide what to take up and what to leave behind. This is the field of great multiplicity spread before you. Think of it often. If you're young and starting out in life, just think to yourself and know how much there is to choose from. And you have a wide open panorama in front of you. If you're well on the journey of your life and have decided many things and discarded many others, it's always useful to just pause for a moment and know that there's always more. You could take up a new thing, a new idea, a new research in your life. This vast panorama is spread before us. Think about it. And what it causes in you is to feel and know the glory of it all. That's my guy, Steve Quinn, the energy healer. He works a lot helping people heal from addictions. Quitwithquinn.com is where you can find out more about him. Quit with Quinn. And I chose that meditation today because I think it's so important to think about with all that's going on in the world, to think about how much health and wellness there still is in the universe, especially when you think of all of the glory of space and the galaxy and the atmosphere. There's no pandemic there. And think of nature. Think of all of the trees that are blooming right now and all of the flowers that are pushing up through the ground and all of the lawns that are turning green again. This virus isn't hurting nature. And there's healing and peace waiting for us when we gaze at the stars or spend time with a flower. So that's why I chose that meditation today. Steve Quinn, quitwithquinn.com. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for tuning in to Shine On, the health and happiness show. Even at this time when people are isolating and sheltering at home and doing less, have you noticed the people who are still doing more? The people who feel like they're going to get a grade for being, you know, the best stay-at-home person, making the most recipes, doing the most home projects. There are so many people who still can't sit down and just relax. I have to admit, I had a little trouble shifting gears so dramatically. My engine was running. My engine was running there a little bit. But Sarah Knight is our guest today, and Sarah has written a book with a naughty, naughty title, but it's to help people who have a hard time saying no. It's to help people who have a hard time saying yes to themselves. The book is called F No. Hi, Casey. I want to know how you told your family the title of your book. <laughs> um, it's in two words. Very simple. <laughs> and they said? Uh, my family have known who I am for quite some time now, so they were, they were not too uh, blown away by it. Right. And how would, how would you describe yourself? 
I am a very forward, blunt uh, individual. I don't take uh, a lot of guff from anybody, and I am pretty no-nonsense and uh, and really open and transparent about my life, my feelings, and, uh, you know, and I'm happy to give advice. Okay. So as this, this blunt person who doesn't take a lot of guff, did you ever have a problem saying yes when you meant to say no? Oh, I certainly did. Um, definitely as a young person in my teens and early 20s. Uh, you know, I was an overachiever. I still am, and I have to constantly battle that instinct. Uh, and also, you know, just being kind of a type A perfectionist, it's something that I've had to get over in the last five or ten years. And I really, I wish that I had known, you know, when I was 16, 18, 21 years, I didn't have to say yes to everything that came down the pike. But, you know, you live, you learn. Right. Who were you saying yes to? Your teachers? I was definitely saying yes to to my friends. I was being overloaded with uh, with favors and and you know it's not like I don't like to help people, but I was definitely being taken advantage of. I was saying yes to teachers and to early employers. Certainly in my early twenties, when I moved to New York City and was trying to find my way in the professional world, I took on quite a bit more than I could handle, and I had way too many balls in the air. And although I did not often drop one, when I did, it felt like a much bigger disaster than it needed to because I was that overachiever who was just aghast at having dropped the ball. I gotcha. I hear you. Do do you have any regrets? You know, high-achieving Ivy League graduate turned successful uh, publishing house editor. Do you have any regrets? Do you you wish you had spent more time at the beach? I mean, how do you feel looking back? The only regret I have is not having gone out on my own sooner. I had a wonderful career. I was really successful as a book editor, um, and I and I have a lot of you know affection in my heart for those years. But I could have avoided a good five years of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and and really New York City living that was not agreeing with me if I had taken the risk and been brave enough to go out on my own uh, a lot sooner so that's that's all but I'm making up for it with plenty of plenty of beach walks and uh and midday cocktails and um and successful books of my own now right the book is f no how to stop saying yes when you can't you shouldn't or you just don't want to Sarah Knight is our guest here's here's the thing I want to dive into right now The, the women who say yes and overdo why do they do that I think that, you know, psychologists will tell you that women are socialized from a young age to to smooth things over, to make people feel good, to serve. Um, and for all of these reasons, we wind up saying yes, even when we don't really want to do something or we don't feel capable of doing something. We say yes anyway, and we just try to work it out. And what that results in is being overwhelmed, you know, overdrawn, overbooked, and overburdened. And then you can get very frayed, and you can become somebody who might say yes to everything but isn't very good at any of those one thing because you're so overburdened and then that makes us feel even worse about ourselves so it's a really um vicious cycle for women how do we know how do we know if we get used to saying no how do we know when yes is the right answer you just have to be honest with yourself about whether something makes you happy and whether something serves you and if you are asked to do something uh, whether it's a task or to go to an event or to do a favor for somebody, um, you really have to ask yourself and answer honestly, 
is this something that makes me happy? Is this something that serves me? And if the answer is no, then the answer is no. And if the answer is yes, that's how you get to what I call the joy of no. Because you say no to all of the stuff that you don't want and that you don't like and that doesn't serve you. And it allows you much more time, energy, and money to spend on the stuff that brings you joy. Right. But what if I say no and they don't like me? Um, well, I personally, I don't really have a problem with people not liking me for saying no. But if you're talking about being a people pleaser who's really worried that people are going to be upset with you if you say no, I think that um, what you're going to find if you practice is that a lot of that guilt is coming from your own head and that most people don't really care nearly as much about how you live your life and the decisions that you make as you think they do. And you've been building it up in your own head and that guilt is going to evaporate the more you're able to be honest with yourself. And the more that you say no in an honest, polite, timely manner, then you don't have anything to feel guilty about. You've done nothing wrong. Right. And the people who are always asking you for those favors, they are just going to go on to the next person and ask them. Absolutely. It's like telemarketing. There's always going to be somebody else that they can dial. Right. And, you know, I've, I've found in the last five years or so of becoming a lot more self-actualized and being more able to stand up for myself in my professional and my personal life, most people don't give me a hard time when I say no. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to. No, I can't do that. No, I can't afford it. No, thank you. Right. We're talking to Sarah Knight, who wrote F No, you know, how to stop saying yes. You use the phrase, say no if it doesn't serve you. Can you Mm -hmm. unpack that a little bit? Tell us what something not serving you looks like, feels like. So you have to be able to set boundaries. And I talk about this in terms of your time, energy, and money. You want to protect your time, energy, and money so that you can spend it on things that make you happy and things that serve you in other ways. And the reason I use that language, things that serve you, is because we all know that there are going to be things in life that we do have to say yes to that don't necessarily make us happy, per se, but they serve us in other ways. They allow us to keep our jobs so we can keep our paychecks, so we can keep paying our rent. You know, they allow us entry into a certain circle of people, whether it's personal or professional, to get something else we want out of life that does make us happy. So sometimes you are going to be saying yes to something that serves you, even if it's not something that makes you particularly super happy on this day. And I want to just be very careful to acknowledge that because I don't want people walking away from the title of my book thinking, oh, she just says no to everything, you know, F this, F that, and, you know, never, and, and, and just blows off her commitments and um, walks into her boss's office and, and throws a temper tantrum. That's not what it's all about. It's about saying confident, um, you know, acceptable no's to the things that you really don't have to do. I have a flowchart called, Do I Really Have To?, that helps work you through all of these uh, questions about real and perceived obligation and guilt. And in the end, you know, does it serve you? Be honest, yes or no. And that could be it serves you because it creates happiness or it serves you because it gets you something that you want and need out of life. Perfect. Where do we go for more information about you and how to say no? Uh, my website does have a naughty word in it, so I will try to say it in a, in a censored fashion. It's no F given guides, but that F word is all spelled out and plural. The no F given guides.com. And you will find information on all five books, the two journals, all of those flowcharts, quizzes, motivational posters, every article I've ever written, every podcast I've ever been on, it's all there. So that's Sarah Knight. 
helping those of us who have a hard time saying no. Maybe this time at home will help you to say no and say yes to more of the things that make your heart sing. I mean, haven't you rediscovered them? at home? Some of those simple, simple pleasures? I hope you have. I hope you have discovered some simple pleasures that are bringing you peace, and I hope that we can bring these simple pleasures into our lives as we move forward. We probably have another 20-some days of this sheltering at home, but when we start to move about, let's try to remember the things that nurtured our spirit in this time. So, I asked last week if you would send in the quotes that mean something to you so I could share your words at the end of every show. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, did I get a good one from Peggy. Peggy, thank you so much. This, oh, I'm going to type this out and frame it. It was a blessing for me to receive this from you. So thank you, Peggy. And everybody, I invite you, send me the quotes and thoughts that mean the most to you, and I'll share them here. So Peggy sent me this quote from Tahare Mafi, and this is from Tahare Mafi's Shelter Me. It says, the moon is a loyal companion. It never leaves. It's always there watching, steadfast, knowing us in our light and dark moments, changing forever just as we do. Every day, it's a different version of itself, sometimes weak and wan, sometimes strong and full of light. The moon understands what it means to be human, uncertain, alone, cratered by imperfections. The moon understands what it means to be human. Peggy, I love that. Thank you so much for that thought for the day. Send yours in and connect at Casey.co. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Love one another. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.